Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast. I am Alberto Ligi, your host from London. And as a regular listener, know the purpose of the podcast is to inspire our global listeners to be more philanthropic and act sustainably and embrace social entrepreneurship. And please, please, please do subscribe to the podcast. It makes a huge difference for us. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome on board Johan Eriksson, who is the CEO, the Chief Executive Officer of Mercer in Sweden. And Johan is someone I've known for over 20 years. He's a good friend and also an expert in the area of human resources, human capital. And today we're going to talk about diversity, inclusivity, and we're going to talk about the work that Mercer is doing in this field in order to, um, to transform the way corporates, large multinational corporates, operate. Uh, Mercer is active in uh, 130 countries. They have 20,000 employees. And without further ado, a big heartfelt welcome to Johan. Johan, welcome on board. Hi, Alberto. Many thanks for having me. Great to be here. Just, just for the record, Mercer has 25,000 people. Okay, great. So 25,000 people it is. And Johan, so why don't we start off by telling us a little bit about Mercer. It's, uh, it's a name that, that I know well, but maybe a lot of our listeners do not. So what's Mercer all about? So Mercer is part of the U.S. organization, Marsh, McLennan Companies. Mercer is basically a global HR consultancy where we operate in the areas of health, wealth, and career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a sort of a conglomerate because we do investments, we do fund management, we do retirement services, we do human capital and HR services, compensation, we do M&A, we do actuarial services. So it's very often sort of in the adjacency between human resources, but on the financial management. So we're very quantitative, but also human related. Mm-hmm. And you've been with the firm now for what, almost 20 years? Almost 20 years. Started in, in, uh, in 2001 in, uh, in Switzerland, Geneva. And then after a year, I transferred to the Stockholm office. I've been with Mercer since then in Stockholm since, of course. I had you know, changed roles or, or, or position every other year. But uh, yeah, been for the firm for almost 20 years. How did you get into this before we kick off onto other things? How did you decide to get into, uh, into this field? Yeah, so I've always liked the... Uh, international dimension and you know i'm swedish by background but i've been living in in the uk i've been living in in chile in santiago in uh, in switzerland so i really wanted to work for an international consultancy and, and mercer ticked so many of the boxes so when i finished off my studies mercer was one of the, the key employers and I, I i had the luck and the opportunity to, to to land a job there and, and the rest is and the rest is history as they say now today we're talking about diversity and inclusion has it always been so pronounced, diversity and inclusion, as it is today? Or are you noticing some trends? I think it's developing and diversity and inclusion or DNI, it relates to things like uh, gender is one piece, but there's also the ethnicity or age. The diversity of the DNI is, is very broad, but typically people refer to it as being a male female challenge, uh, which is just part of the overall challenge of diversity inclusion. But absolutely, I mean, there are more and more jobs within the DNI field. You can see that also just, you know, checking on LinkedIn in terms of positions. Before, it was more like a, a, a sub-role within finance or human resources or one of the functional head positions that had that responsibility, whereas now it, it becomes an own role in its own right. Are these roles, are they leadership positions in companies? Yeah, they are leadership positions, and they are also increasingly 
you know, they, re- they report directly to the CEO of an organization. Sometimes it, it becomes an own function in its own right uh, at the same level as head of legal or head of IT or head of communication or, or head of HR. And I think that that trend, that development is going to continue and, and actually it's going to accelerate, I think, as well, given the importance of this area. Is this a sustainability piece and DNI? Are they sometimes, uh, is that a remit sometimes for a single individual or do they tend to be separate, uh, separate roles? The honest answer there is that it depends. So typically, mm-hmm. in, given the organization, so you sometimes you have uh, within sustainability, you might also have a code of conduct, you have professionalism, you have CSR, you have other of these areas as well, which typically creates one role or they, for various reasons, land uh, within finance or within HR. So, so it's difficult to, to categorize that. So the, the, the honest answer, it depends. Mm-hmm. And the clients who come up to you, what are they asking about? How does, it, how does the subject matter of diversity and inclusion, how does that come up in conversation? Is it something that your clients are bringing up? Are you suggesting it proactively to your clients? What's the thrust of those conversations? Are people trying to catch up? Are they trying to be proactive? You know, we have almost 30,000 clients globally. Mm-hmm. And only in Sweden, we have, you know, 700 something clients. So we have very often multinationals that are headquartered in the countries and sometimes they're headquartered in in the UK and the US and, and other countries around the world where we are managing their subsidiaries that are based mm-hmm. in Sweden. Mm-hmm. We do SMEs, so small and medium-sized enterprises. We do work for municipalities, for counties, for foundations. So it depends. But I think with, within all these areas, I think it's more both within the multinationals, uh, but also the small and medium-sized enterprises uh, in Sweden. And that is partly because there is a legislation of you need to do gender equity surveys or reports on an annual basis if you have a corporation with more than 10 employees. You need to do this on an annual basis to make sure that you are uh, paying people in in a fair and just and equitable way. So in the case of Sweden, then you have a lot of people coming up to you because they necessarily need this sort of auditing happening. Exactly. So it's nothing which is sort of nice to have. It's a must-have for them because it's required by legislation. So we do it in something like uh, 100 companies uh, only in, in Sweden. And sometimes, of course, they do it internally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, very often they don't have time or the competence to do it. And then Mercer is, of course, ready available to support with this. Um, but some organizations are not only doing it because of the, this requirement. They're also doing it globally because, they, you know, they take the question or they take, they take this challenge in an even more serious global way. And they want to communicate to their people and potential people that they treat their employees in in a very fair and equitable way, irrespective of where they're from. So, you know, you do this around the globe. Uh, and, and, you know, these legislation, these requirements are in, at least in Western Europe, are latching on and they are, they are you know, on the move and there's more to come within this area. So I think this is a, uh, I think there are more organizations that are going to do this because you, you, it's part of their overall philosophy and they want the way they want to be perceived and building 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 a brand mm-hmm. it's interesting you 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 look at other countries as well because i always think of sweden and scandinavia as sort of leading the way in terms of gender equality and diversity and just very tolerant societies what is the uh, the feedback that you're getting from the other regional markets what's happening in latin america for instance you mentioned you used to live in chile how are things progressing out there? 
is the world in essence moving in the direction of where the Swedes and where Scandinavia was or has been for, for a while? Is that, uh, is that something that's quite palpable? Yeah, I, in a way, you know, it's a paradox to that, I think, because um, uh, the world is, is, in a sense, you know, given globalization is becoming smaller, but at the same time, the, the, the opposite is happening as well in terms of countries are becoming even more nationalized with, you know, UK, Brexit, we have Trump in, uh, in, in, in the States, we have EU, both EU and NATO has been in, in better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Hungary, Poland, Brazil, you have many of these countries which are being a bit more nationalized. And, and uh, so, so at the same time that there is a, you know, th- this, this, this movement is, is increasingly accelerating. But at the same time, in some of these countries that I mentioned, it's just coming to a grinding halt. So it, it, it really depends uh, which, which country we talk about. So you can't sort of generalize with that. But I, that's why I said earlier that Western Europe is increasingly coming this way. So you have, you know, UK, France, Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland. There is, there is, you know, different level of legislation coming, uh, but but it's, it's definitely on the rise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when we're looking at different countries across the globe, uh, there's a piece of research. I, I'm not sure if I remember the name correctly, but I think it's along the lines of when women thrive. Uh, that that you guys at Mercer did in conjunction with the World Economic Forum uh, a, a while back. Uh, tell me a little bit about that because I understand uh, part of part of that is about, um, I guess, just uh, looking at the at the improving the gender imbalance in, in specific countries around the globe. Yeah, exactly. It, it's quite an interesting and fascinating piece of research that Mercer has been conducting with the World Economic Forum for about five years. Okay. And what it is about is really that from a macroeconomical standpoint for countries to make a better use of their overall population and productivity. So it's it's driven very often also from a financial perspective. So it's not only from an equity standpoint, but, you know, they want to make the more use of the brain power they have in the countries to become more productive, become more profitable and making the most of the resources they have. So within a couple of weeks, we're going to have the next survey launched, which is going to be interesting to look into. We're going to have the big countries like you know, China, US, UK, Germany, France, and other countries, and, and also Scandinavia for the first time is going to be part of that research as well. And that is interesting to see of, you know, where where are we at with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, it's it's a fascinating piece of research. And I think, I don't think that any other global organization have this comprehensive research, given that, you know, we do compensation and benefit surveys in hundreds something countries around the world and now we're looking into the data we have the data the facts the insights and we've also have done empirical research related to this so it's going to be very interesting to see what this uh, this report is going to tell us and this is an annual report correct annual report yeah so how do you improve sort of the gender imbalance in countries at a, at a macro level i imagine it's not a magic pill are there any sort of key areas to uh, to keep in mind yeah I, I think i mean t- typically what we see is that you have you know if, if we take the male female angle to it there is a slow progression when we did this survey uh, when we started this in sweden we had something like 20 percent uh, part of the executive team or the management team of companies when we do this today it's it's 30 percent right so it, it's gone from 20 to 30 percent and it, it looks the same a bit further down in the organization as well, at level three and level four, level three being the people that I report into 
the executive committee. So, you know, there is there is an improvement, but it 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 takes it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think actually, I think or part of it is because women earn less, but that is also because of history and legacy racing, working a bit more part time, being on maternity leave. You know, it, it increases sort of catching up, and there are also jobs which are less paid, where you see more less paid, where you see see more women as well. And I think the further up in the organization you get, the less representation of women you see, and also then the compensation is also falling behind. So I, I think this is also a societal issue rather than, you know, it's difficult for organizations to, to, to solve that themselves. It starts with the community, the society, the, you know, the school and family. So this is, this is a, the values in at least the Western world something that you, you need to fix the foundation rather than saying to organizations, you know, you need to sort out the balance between men and female on the boards or on the management team. Otherwise, we do it for you. I don't think that personally is the way to go. And it's interesting, though, because I think from, from some of the research that I'm familiar with, the business performance seems to improve with uh, organizations that are more diverse, that are more in, that have more inclusive cultures. Whether that's because um, diverse teams perform better, or you got you have more uh, innovation and creativity, or it's easier to hire and retain talent, or or even just the whole reputational angle in terms of your brand as a good employer. Um, so I imagine organizations should be sort of clamoring to be more diverse and more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right on that one. I mean, you get. On, on all the research that we have done is suggesting that a more diverse team is performing better. It's delivering, it's increasing productivity and efficiency and effectiveness, and also the correlation with, with profit. Mm-hmm. And also from a more sort of intrinsic perspective, it's also more engaging and more fun because you get exposed to people from different walks of life and they have a different take and a different angle on things. So you learn a bit more on that as well. And I think also all these things that, you know, we've been mentioning is also helping to build the brand and the perception and the image of that organization in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So I really think it's it's something which is, uh, it's a no-brainer, but it's also difficult to do because the way that human beings is, is sort of cemented in into the past and creating change is, is always a challenge. And if I'm running, if I'm the CEO of an organization, uh, what does the CEO do in terms of making sure that their multinational company is able to operate with the sort of diversity and inclusive values that it embraces across the the world, irrespective of some of the challenges that might be present in local cultures. Yeah, I think, you know, context is everything and you can't suggest the agenda that you're having in Norway should be the same as you're having in some of the Middle East countries, right? You know, so you have to have context is everything. You need to make sure that, you know, you progress, but you do it given in what in what country you operate and, mm-hmm. and i think it's 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 a challenge to do that because the history in the past is suggesting that men have always been sort of prioritizing monies and the career and salary and status um and women been a bit more uh making sure to manage the the family and the children and all that so it, it it's these values which right now are are changing at least in in Western Europe in in in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fundamental different way. Um, I mean, this this trend is going to continue, 
but it's going to take time. I mean, a lot of things. I, I was referring to the research before and what has happened five years back, and that changed from 20 to 30 percent. It's only, you know, half of a decade. I mean, imagine where we're going to be in 20 years' time. Mm -hmm. So with our parents, it's like it wasn't it's never been on the agenda, whereas now it's absolutely on the agenda, and we're in the, in the midst of change right now. In the next generation, I think that this is going to be like a, you know, it's going to, it, it, it will have changed radically from 2019. Yeah. And well, if you're, if you're noting such, such positive change over the last few years, do you find that, that's, uh, that we're not only moving in the right direction, but that we're moving at a pace that is, um, do you find that we're moving at, at the right pace? No, I think the change uh, and the pace, I think the pace is too slow, mm -hmm. but it's it's moving and it's moving in the right direction. And I don't see any, I don't see any signs that this is going to, you know, accelerate dramatically. I think it's going to continue as it has over the last couple of years. But given that the change is happening with a few percentage every year, it's going to change radically. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So in, in, in Sweden, for example, you know, the equivalent to Financial Times did a survey that I think is something like 10 years back where you had more... Uh, more CEOs that were named Johan in, in in Sweden than you had females being CEOs, right? And that and that has changed dramatically right now. So that's just one comparison. And what about the CEOs themselves? I mean, do you you you, you must have these conversations with a lot of these uh, these individuals on a one on one basis who are leading these large organizations? Um, how are they feeling, both in terms of driving the cultural change forward in, the, in, the, in an appropriate way, but also personally, how are they feeling in terms of making sure that they are up to speed on the latest, uh, the latest uh, theory, the latest research, the latest way to set their policies, the right language to use or not to use? The big majority of clients... Uh, I talk to is that they, they want to accelerate this agenda because they are keen on driving long-term, sustainable, profitable and profitable growth. Uh, and, and, you know, by, by, by doing, by, by accelerating this process, it's going to help them to get to that. So for them, this is very important. It's also important from a cultural perspective and the company that they want to be and the people that they want to attract in order to execute their you know, their, their strategy and their vision and mission, they need to have people from, you know, both males and females, people from different walks of the life, people with different ethnicity, people from with different age, and so on and so forth. So for them, this is absolutely key. But I think it starts uh, early on. So very often you see, a couple of years back at least, you see more positions on boards or on executive management teams that has background within finance or human resources or head of legal mm -hmm. rather than coming from heading up a business or a business area or a segment or a region. So, you know, I think it's important to expose people from owning and driving a profit and loss rather than only driving the function. Both is important, but it's important to get exposed to both. Mm -hmm. to understand you know the whole co company so i think getting people on board getting the right people on board and then expose them to different kinds of jobs is important to make this happen really and i suppose it's one thing to have the the mission and, and values and vision but that's no good and it's 
insufficient if the recruitment process isn't looking at things uh, in terms of you know, diversity. The same thing with onboarding new, new talent onto the organization or creating guidelines. I mean, I imagine it's, it's, there's got to be much more than just giving somebody a handbook when they join an organization and say, this is the way we do things around here. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on. I think, you know, this with attracting and recruiting and getting the right people on board, but also when they are on board is to engage and motivate and visualize career paths for people and having mentors and coach and role models in the organization. So if we take the example of women again, that they also see that, you know, we have very successful females on board and on the group management team to be the role model for them, how to get there. I think that is really, really important. And I think seeing is believing. And if you don't have that, you know, you, you, you know, then you come across as an organization only paying lip service to this. And I think that might be detrimental in terms of the, the overall brand and the image in the marketplace. So I, I think this is going to be given uh, um, even more so in, in the years to come. Your conversations these days with clients and just in terms of what keeps you busy these days running Mercer in Sweden and, and your peers in, in other countries, this whole diversity and inclusion piece, is it a um, much, bigger, much bigger chunk of, of, your, um, of your attention, as it were, than it was before, 10 years ago, five years ago? Yeah, it is, for sure, for sure. It's still, you know... Mercer is a, a global organization and a lot of the pieces we do is the investments and the retirement wealth and we talk about health and the compensation and you know these are larger areas as it were whereas I think it's still a small portion of the work that we do but it's growing and we see the same thing on the you know at the competition side respectively of who we talk to and also you know on the recruitment side of things you, you have recruitment agencies and search companies that are only focusing on increasing um, people with different ethnicity or, diff, you know, with, with, you know, increasing females on the board, on the group management team. Mm -hmm. There is no legislation on that in terms of, you know, what the percentage should be in, in Sweden, at least. Uh, there is some legislation, for example, in Norway, if it's a uh, on the board and it's a state-owned company, it needs to be a minimum 40% mm -hmm. females on the Norwegian board, whereas in Sweden, there is no such thing. And there is a debate going on in Sweden and other Western countries, if there should be uh, legislation around that. Uh, I personally don't think that is the way to go, but, but I think it's more of, you know, you, you should, uh, it, it should be based on competence uh, and merits rather than anything else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess part of the challenge is making sure that, um, that at the very entry level of organizations, you're, you're bringing a very diverse pool and that they're all getting all the training as early on and as, as effective as possible to be able subsequently to to progress through the the career channels that are available in these larger organizations yeah i think you know it's interesting you mentioned that as well because you know we are helping companies you know with the guidelines and, and how to drive this and actually we we we, we were recruiting internally ourselves for somebody heading up a business area be responsible for the nordic countries within a certain segment and mm -hmm. we used a search company for this and they presented you know uh, candidates to us and you know after after presenting 10 people and they were all male mm -hmm. um, you know I said you know what, what's going on here uh, so we actually had to change um, recruiting re recruitment and search agency because they failed to come up with a diverse enough 
Um, and what do they say was going on? What do they say they had just 10 candidates who were all male? Yeah, you know, referring to that the job in itself and the background required is, is very male dominated. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, you know, that, that might be true, but it's also the angle that we had was, you know, well, you know, uh, hired for attitude and trained for skills. There's one thing, yeah, you might have the skill, but it's, it's going in with the right dedication and mindset rather than just knowing the... Um, the job at hand in itself and mm -hmm. I felt that you know the discussion we had with them you know they didn't really they didn't really live up to the expectation that we had so we had to we had to let them go because the answer they were saying is, is uh, it, it wasn't a good one and very often that is the answer so so mm -hmm. you know we, we, we one has to sort of um to challenge the status quo yeah you mentioned early on that you have you know that your clients are very diverse from large multinationals to SMEs and just smaller outfits as well. Is Mercer an organization that caters to clients of all sizes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are. I mean, I think, you know, when we when we describe ourselves, we the work that we're doing is typically related to, you know, the big multinational enterprises. So, mm -hmm. we, you know, in, in Sweden, looking at the large cap, we have something like close to 80% of the large cap uh, are our clients. Right. Um, you know, similar percentage, you know, we have like 60, 70% of the, um, of the DAX 30 in Germany as client or the CAC 40 in, in, in France or, you know, the FTSE 250 in the UK, you know, we are doing a lot of work for the big clients because we, we have the global reach and the global capabilities. So it's not, it's not the smaller enterprises that, that, that come to us. I mean, we do have these clients as well, which is great, uh, and increasingly sort of the mid-sized clients. Uh, but I think we are more known for supporting, you know, the global usual suspects um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more than more than more than other countries. But we also given, you know, we, we do work for 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 smaller organizations and entrepreneurs and and um, and foundations and, and, and so on as well. So it's 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 a mix. Yes. Where's the best, um, what's the best um, website to go to for Mercer to get acquainted with some of this, uh, this research that you've highlighted a little bit earlier in the When Women Thrive report? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's two websites, I would say. I mean, Mercer is part of, uh, of Marsh McLennan. And in Marsh McLennan, you also have a strategic consultancy house known as uh, Oliver Wyman Group. Mm -hmm. They also do a bit of work with that. So Tom, sometimes we go to clients together, whereas Oliver Wyman is, is helping with the overall strategic vision of the company and mm -hmm. Mercer is supporting with the, okay, the human capital strategic agenda that goes with that. Uh, so we work together. So it's both mmc.com, so mmc.com and it's mercer.com where they, where, where they should start. And then you can just look around and, and uh, there is tons of information and also especially look into this when women thrive report which is going to be released in a in a couple of weeks no absolutely and tell me before we wrap things up if um i always ask our, our guests you know if, if listeners forgot everything that we've been talking about for the last half hour but walked away remembering one key thing what's that key takeaway that you would like listeners to keep in mind after they finish listening to this episode I, I think, given that we've, we've talked a lot about the the, the DNI agenda, I think the key thing would be building a diverse workforce is going to improve your productivity, efficiency, and your profits. And at the same time, doing that, you're going to have more fun. You're going to, you know, you're going to learn much more, 
you're going to meet fascinating people. It's going to increase the the engagements and the engagement scores um, on an annual basis from the people because people are going to work with people from um, th- that are very different. And you know the, the the outcome is going to be much much you know it's going to be it's going to be better than that. So I think doing it because it makes sense in so many ways. Excellent. I love that. Perfect. Well, Johan, look, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on the podcast and exchanging some views and learning from you as always. And thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast and to um, shed so much light on the work that you guys are doing at Mercer on this area. Many thanks, Alberto. Appreciate you having me and Mercer on the call. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better.